Contrology. Pilates. The work, the method. However you want to describe it, it is the brainchild of German creator and inventor, Joe Pilates. Hello, everyone. I'm Darian Gold. Thanks so much for joining us on All Things Pilates. As promised, I am so excited to share with you a very, very special guest. Her name is Mary Bowen, and she is the eldest of the Pilates elders, still going strong after 62 years of living Pilates. And 40, yes. that's right, 46 years teaching it, 62 years living it. I didn't plan to teach. I was asked to teach after doing it for 16 years. Romana gave me permission. And so everything I am, I was asked to do, Darian. I never went, I never went to a great big course on anything. I just got deeper and deeper and deeper into everything I was doing until it was what people wanted to do with me. It's a lovely way to have it happen. You did fall quickly in love with this method though, correct? Well, uh, I I don't know. I I did it for a real practical reason that I'd had slipped discs twice and I was 29 years old and I was healthy, but it was iffy uh, how strongly I was connected. I wasn't really connected because I was born an intuitive and an intuitive is never connected with their body. It's the work of their lives to achieve that. So... I I just went because I'd seen an article in the World Telegraph and Sun, a, a newspaper in New York used to have, and it showed it showed this man with a big bare chest and bare legs and little canvas slippers and very tight like swimming trunks and a mane <laughs> a mane of white hair. He looked like to me a human lion. And that attracted me to, well, what's he saying? It was a short enough article. It wasn't hard to read. I scanned it, and he called it Transcontrology, and he talked where he had his studio. And then he had a sentence in there that he said that stopped me. I based my whole method on the baby and the cat. Now, I don't know why that stopped me, because I'd never had a baby and I'd never had a cat. But that's <laughs> what took me to Joe. And now I know full well, having had about 85 cats, why, why he said, of all the creators, almighty's creations, the superior one is the cat. It does everything, the, it functions every way the best, does everything the best. That's how Joe spoke of it. And I didn't know uh, that he had had a cat in the studio when I went to him first time. But um, that year, when I was 29, I went to a shelter and I got my first cat. Hopefully it would teach me to sit down. I never sat down. And I, I started with Joe and I started with my Jungian psychoanalyst. That was the beginning of my real life at 29. Mary, tell us about when you first met Joe. And I don't think I knew either that he had a cat roaming around the studio. Yeah, for many years he had a cat, but it had died. 
And somebody sent me a picture of a, it's almost like a, a spooky, almost you can't see anything, picture of Joe's cat. And I have it in my file. <laughs> That's funny. I never thought I'd see the evidence of it. Oh, what was it like that first time? Well, um, you went over to this building that it's still is where where Rebecca uh, has Rolati still, and there was a staircase. No, no elevator. You walked up a creaky old staircase or, or, or to the second floor, and you crossed a creaky little hallway to the door, and you went in, and there's the door that led you into this studio with all these machines. Um, I hadn't seen it before. And, and you just, you just enter. Now, every, a few people I think were there, but right away, this man comes up to you very, in a friendly manner. This was Joe. And I say, um, I'd say, I think that maybe I, I could be helped by your method. I've had some problems with my back. You come three times a week, he said. And I said, oh, I, I take the train. Just like that? Just like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No more No more. did he need to know. Um, I said, I take the train in from above New Haven uh, to come to New York. I'm not sure that I could do two times a week, uh, three times a week. I, I said, maybe I could do two times a week. And then he made this sound that he made even after he was dead when he came to me in a dream. And he makes this sound that is like swallowing his tongue and very much in the mouth when he has to accept something that isn't quite all he wanted. And sort of like, <laughs> and then that was okay. I could do the two times a week. So I began what happened for to be six and a half years, twice a week from then on. And, and finally he was too ill to work. Mary, so, Mary, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. When he anytime. worked with you, did he give you direct eye contact or was he walking around your body? How was his, how was his demeanor when he was working with you? He put hands on you. Uh, uh, he watched us. He never gave a whole lesson in all the six and a half years I ever saw. I was there twice a week. Never saw him give a lesson. He walked around and when he felt like it, he came in and gave you a cue. And so there wasn't really time to look at each other's eyes because he'd go, he'd go right after the part of his body that he was interested in at that moment in your body. And I remember him uh, being on the mat, reaching forward in the forward stretch with my feet on the little boxes, moon boxes, they call, they didn't call them that with Joe. And I remember uh, my hands just crawling up my back and it felt like a big bear. And then it would be always one, two, three with Joe. So it'd be big hand, two, big hand, two, and then, then three, biggest hand. And then you went farther forward than you ever knew you could. So it was, it was more or less uh, a feeling, a physical experience of him. Did your and, body change? Do you well, recall your body changing as so many people now say right away, it was one, two or three lessons, they already could feel and see a difference. Well, when I left that first time, I shook all over. 
I, everybody, everything was shaking in me because I had never in one hour or in 40 minutes or whatever time we had there, it was Hannah who, te- who taught everyone at the beginning, but you, you go through every muscle pattern in your body. And that it was, it was only the, the reformer, then the mat, and eventually quite a bit on the Cadillac. But I mean, it wasn't the whole Pilates you got the first, but that first lesson, maybe two or three lessons, I shook when I left because my body was totally surprised to be worked on in so many different ways. And it's only me doing it, but I had never engaged all that, that much of a variety of movement. And even though I'd been a dancer and I'd been, I'd been, a, I was not an athlete, but I was healthy, but not to the degree that you get used in a Pilates lesson. So finally, I didn't shake anymore. And I never, except one time when I was injured, uh, for a reason that was real, I never returned to the same back pain I'd had from for ever since I'd had flipped this. It was gone. Isn't it that was awesome? Gone. It just needed to be worked with. It needed to be engaged and the structure needed to be considered of the right alignment for the whole body. With that in mind, there's no pain. That's amazing. It is amazing. And you really, after all my years of living Pilates and teaching it, I, I don't need to go to anyone for pain. I just know where to go and what to do. And I don't, I don't even do it with my head. I let my body tell me, yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. The body teaches me now. Since I was 85 years old, my greatest teacher is my own body. That's a great tagline, Mary. Yeah. Well, well, the teacher left. Uh, the one I'd had the last 20 years of 56 years of lessons. The last 20 years had been with Christine Wright, a professional dancer in New York City. And she was wonderfully patient. She was just my opposite. And we each grew from the other because uh, she gave me always something new to do. And I was with her, I could do it. I was finally in my body by the age of 55. I got to her about when I was probably 65, 65, 75, yeah, 65, 1995. That's and how I fell with Romana because mm-hmm. I, I was strong. I was a, a competitive gymnast and a professional dancer, but mm-hmm. working with Romana, she was able to get other movement out of me that I didn't think possible. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it was masterful, really. Well, that's Pilates. That's Pilates. You know, what, what Pilates was to Joe and Clara, foremost, a lifelong commitment to total health and breath. That's what they were after. And then there were the exercises. But after the commitment. And I didn't know that I would be making this a life work. You know, I'm too young to even know that. But I just went deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and was more and more amazed. Since you see, when you're born an intuitive, and that's up top where your ego and your conscious is, you're not even on the ground, Darian. You're living in the air, fast, going fast always doing six to 16 things at once coming in. That's what you're good at. And 
the poor body is at the bottom of the unconscious itself, never really even a part of your ego consciousness, other than that you, you, were, you were healthy enough, you just weren't in it. Well, with Pilates, I learned to, to be with it, to work for it, to work with it. It was 55 years old that I finally just yawned like a cat or a dog that I was now in the body. It took me 26 years before that could happen to an intuitive. And the whole life of an intuitive is coming in more and more nuances of being in your body until you can't be here anymore. I'm still coming into my body. I'm 91 years old. And how can you go old and get rid of being in the earth when you're still getting born? It's just ridiculous. I'm still coming into my body and everything you come into is like a whole new birth. So you're always excited to be alive. You, you never feel old. You always feel new and just born again. <laughs> that's, that's the intuitive journey. The, yes. And we have to do it because we have so much tension in the body from having it be uh, not connected to the ground that you're kind of miserable in it. You have to work on it. That and, is why the breath is so important. And well, you speak about that, don't you? It, well, the breath has been my, it is, will always be my biggest work because um, the best breath, the fullest breath, you have to be your animal self to do. And that's like, well, you'll see it in your dog, you'll see it in your cat. The yawn is nature's fullest breath. Then the whole body breathes all the way to the toenails, all the way to the hair follicles. So that one is the teacher, really, of anyone. This is what a breath is. And then from there, let them feel what happened to the body and let them feel and focus on the whole thing. There's not a part that was missed in a big yawn. But you can't make a yawn happen. You can't make an orgasm happen. And nature makes it happen. So you have to be in your body. Your body itself yawns. It's not your head that does it. You can try and try and try. It's never going to be the same kind of yawn. Are you saying the yawn or the actual mechanism of breathing is our greatest teacher? No, I'm saying the yawn is the greatest breath. That, that, that breath is the greatest teacher of breathing. You just cannot comprehend how everything opens and, and fills naturally when you're not even thinking about it. That's when your body itself shows you breathing. But see, if you're, if you're born a sensate and you're in your body, you don't have that problem that an intuitive has. So you probably think that, and if you're, if you're a sensate thinker and you, you're thinking and your body feel like a good team, you, you don't really know exactly what the body is by itself because you're thinking you have to think it. You don't have to think to be a body. You can be absolutely out of your mind and be a body and a very healthy body. And we, we teach too much through our thinking. Whoops, I should have taken, sorry, I'll no, take that okay. off. I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna, and I'll see if it's my husband, just a sec. Okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, can I just, I'm on a video Zoom. Can I have, uh, call you back or can you call me another time, please? Thank you. All right, thank you.
Mary, what was yeah. what was Joe? A, a sense- he was a he was a he was a extroverted sensate thinker. And he just was a body. He he was body. He was not that much intellect. Intellect was just a support to his body. And um no he, he he didn't speak very much. He never taught ideas. He just taught being. He was the object and you were you grew from that and he told you what to do and showed you and put hands on you. It was very basically sensate. Interesting that that he didn't even know the names of muscles, Darian. He was not doing intellectual movement. Do you think that mindset and that philosophy has gotten lost with all the anatomical focus? Well, I think I think knowledge is good. Uh, you're going to have to let the, I'm going to have to let the phone go off because uh, I don't want us to be bothered. Um, I I I would never say it's not good to learn something. Not that you have to, but if you're inclined, I would follow each one his own, her own or his own inclination. So I think it's good to to have filled our minds with more ideas and more names and more processes. Um, I don't think he needed it, and I, he didn't actually teach us that way. He taught us by doing. And... Go on, can stop you them. can you unplug that phone? No, there it's it just okay. it ended. Yeah, it temperamental. Ended. Well, that's what a phone does when you leave it off the hook. That's how long it takes to go dead. <laughs> but I just I always forget take the phones off or mm-hmm. kill. Yeah, no, but um, that's all right. It's yeah. just a human a human failing, Darian. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No, Mary, Mary let me ask you. Your, your true life's calling for the last, you will tell me the amount of years, your Pilates plus psyche. I'd like to know how that, how the spark came to you that you would blend these two disciplines, these two educational forces that you've had in your life. Well, I started them both at the same time at 29 by 1959 uh, I'd gone when I'd gone 11 years into the analytical dream work with the Jungian psychoanalyst. Um, I had been so deep a journey that my dream finally told me I'd gone deep enough, and I had better start filling in the hole. It's a dream that finally showed me I am now part of Earth, which the intuitive has to. That's a journey that has to be made. I had a dream I was lying on my side in my home in, in Killingworth in the garden, and I'm watching, I'm counting the drops of saliva coming out of the mouth of an insect. <laughs> that made my analyst put, raise his hand to the, to the ceiling of the, of the session of his chair. And you weren't and on bring, drugs? No, no, no. This was his dream. No, I never took drugs. This was how detailed and how much of the whole uh, earth and animal itself I had to go. And he put his hand down on the arm of that chair and said, God damn it to hell. He said, you have to go so damn deep. Well, that was 
my one of my callings was to go all the way and forever as long as I'm alive, as far as I can go deep in the body. And that was happening with the work with Pilates. And it was also happening with the work with the psyche because the psyche was having to learn how to be sensate. So before I got, I, I didn't plan to be a psychoanalyst. I didn't plan to be a Pilates teacher. Not at all. I'm on my own individual journey that's going so damn deep. <laughs> it's getting a bit ridiculous. And so I, when I came out of that journey and did what my dream said, okay, now start coming back. And that is, you know, I had opened a whole nother journey in myself of the work with the unconscious. And of course, it has, the idea is integrate the two. So I'm back and um, it's about 1970. Joe's dead, and uh, I'm with Bob Seed then, and uh, and my analytical work. I'm being asked everywhere I know someone, would you work with my dreams, please? Oh, please! And it would be under an apple tree, or it would be it would be everyone I met. And I just I had a dream finally that showed that there were big crowds, long lines of people around a city block a whole square block waiting to get in to work with my dream, dreams with me. That dream, I said, well, what, what is that? That was before I realized I have to see these people. I have to listen to them. So in one year, I had 23 weekly clients. And I also supervised with, with uh, my analyst's wife, who was also an analyst. I was not being careless about it, but I was very safe to be with because I had gone all the way to the bottom of myself and come back. And that's amazing. <laughs> so that came first. So five years before, I was asked by my analytical clients who were now up, I had another who was working three states a week, Massachusetts, New York, and Connecticut. And I had clients up in Massachusetts because one of the gals was so smart. She she said, I have a wonderful place where you could you could see people up here. And uh, they were moving into a bigger place and they were freeing theirs. And she was smart because she didn't want to make the trip down to Connecticut anymore. And she bamboozled me to do it. So a bunch of clients up there would go into the bathroom, use the bathroom, and they would pass what I had there for me, the Cadillac, the big barrel, um, the reformer, a mat, and maybe the wonder chair, I remember. And they just passed by that. And finally, it was almost like it was a, a, a common hunger. Everyone wanted me to show them, what do you do? Could you show us on these pieces of equipment? Well, I went to Romana uh, with that. And I said, this is what they're asking me, Romana. And what should I tell them? Well, Romana said, you've done the right thing to come and speak to me. Because Romana was already on the, on the 25 year trek of trying to own and franchise the Pilates method. So people that were starting their own studios were for years then, sued, you know, especially if they said Pilates studio, those two words is all she ever got in all her trying to own the method. She was given those two words as hers. So 
Is this uh, the 1980s or the early 1990s? This is, this is all the way till 2000. From 1975, when I, when I was there with her, um, she was, that case was resolved in 2000. Did you have a lesson with her or did you study with her? Oh, oh yeah, seven years I was at her studio. Seven years. How and was her teaching different from Joe's teaching? Here's the big thing. This will tell you the most. When, when I did something original with Joe and he'd be watching me, he'd come over and say, that's good. Just be sure you're using the whole body. And that was the that is another thing that he, only Joe I think has that demand that no matter what you're doing the whole body awareness is needed to be there. Of course I couldn't do it until I, I was 55 years old because I had to be in the body to do it. Mm -hmm. I could work towards it though, and so he was very very welcoming of our originality. And good is how he said it. And if, if Romana saw me do one little thing that was my own, and she was at the front of the windows by the street, I was at the back on a Cadillac, and this voice came over that said, that's not Pilates. She I've heard that before. <laughs> she, she did not allow originality. But I, what I got from her was a tremendous repertoire. And because I was coming from New from Connecticut by train, I was not pushed out right away. She let me stay a little longer because she uh, honored that I had made a real trip for this. So, um, but I what I found about Ramana was if you had a question, something really bothering you, she honestly answered it. And I was waking up with very sore heels and that was just in a spell of months. I not I didn't know that what the cause was. And I went to her with it. She said, "You're not striking your heel when you walk." And that's all it was. I was patting around like a cat. I had so many cats right then. <laughs> and and anywhere that you try to be a little quiet, you're apt to not strike your heels. And I'm I'm, don't, I'm not a bossy woman, so I was not doing that. And and that's all it took. And I found. She, she was very fair one-to-one -one. As, a, as a way she ran her studio, often not so fair, mm -hmm. but that's okay. I mean, who can tell you what to do? You know, she, she had very big ideas about being the only one and the best one, and nobody is that. And um, she, she tried, and I, I think she gave a lot of people a lot of help. And I loved her the most of all for how she was good to dogs. I just thought oh. that part melted me. She would rescue dogs. She was she was just absolutely a dog lover. And the last dog I'd heard that she had rescued in Texas was dying of several holes in the body, drooled, bleeding out of them. She rescued that dog and got it to the vet got it back to health. It stood so tall, it, it was right, her, its head was right up at her shoulder, I heard. Oh, that's and, a beautiful and, story. Yeah, I loved, I loved that. I think there's always a goodness and there's always a darkness in everyone. But many people, in her last years when she was no longer really on that mission to own the method, I think she became more and more fun. 
different people. And after each lesson with a group, they had champagne. And Joe was the same way. (laughs) No, Joe was Joe was um, impersonal. Even as he he got, even as he aged. Well, uh, I was there pretty much up toward his end. um, Those six and a half years, Um, he really never learned your name. Now that's a lot of time. Twice a week, he never learned anybody's name. He was not interested in you as a person. He's not interested in anything you did as a person, except what you're doing there, which is his work. Then he's interested in you. <laughs> and it didn't bother us. We loved what we were growing from, and we loved that we were feeling better. And um, it just it, we didn't ask more of him than he, could, than he was giving. And he was, he was not a social person. He's just the most singularly focused man I ever met in my life. They, they put that in an interview for BBC when I was interviewed. And that of all the big, big interview, they used that sentence. And I thought that really was who he was. He was just about his work. And, and, and even John Steele is good. I like John. John and I are friendly. And he, he, you didn't talk about anything. Um, you didn't talk about politics. You didn't talk about countries. You didn't. You, it was just the Joe. And, Joe and it, or, or it would be animals, you know, animals. It would be love to see animals. Um, I, I didn't have the chance to go sit in the park on a bench with him the way John did, because I had to always be on the train going back to Connecticut. And I didn't have the time to have fun with Kathy Grant when they would go out and she would have a drink and become hilarious. His eyes on the train going back to Connecticut, you know, <laughs> but that's all right. Mary, you are one of the founders of the Pilates Method Alliance. I'd like to know, how did that come about? And also, did you contribute Pilates plus Psyche in any way to the PMA? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I came into Pilates for Psyche, not by intention. I had kept them separate for 20 years. And a client in the studio working with another teacher in Massachusetts was about to have a nervous breakdown. She was so upset because she couldn't do what she thought she should be able to do that the teacher had asked her to do. And and I, I asked me, I speak to her a moment. Yes, please. And I explained to her, it was, a, it was typology, that she was not developed enough yet and, and in touch enough yet with her body to be able to do that yet. But she would be able to. She just had to wait. It would be natural at some point, And she shouldn't, she shouldn't worry about that. She calmed so much down. The whole room calmed down as everybody was aware this woman was in terrible trouble with herself. And from then on, Teachers and clients all wanted Pilates plus Psyche from Mary. And it just happened. It was born with that woman's difficulty and they saw the usefulness of it. And so uh, in five years, I had given it a name, Pilates plus Psyche. And I would say where Joe addressed the whole body, I add the whole person to the whole body and call it Pilates plus Psyche. And that's taking in both the conscious and the unconscious of everyone. And mostly I use typology as a practical tool for Pilates because it, it, it defines as a way where what our type is 
tells us what will be easy and what will be difficult. The unconscious comes in later, second half of life. It's quite difficult. Nobody has it made there. And if the teacher can know their own difficulty and located in the client, a very different kind of teaching can take yes. place. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. D does the PMA offer your program? Yes. I mean, I've been teaching every single, every single year for 20 years. I, I have always presented. So I presented it at the first year when I gave it the name, 2000, 2001, I think, which one it was, 2001 maybe, to the whole big group in Miami. And, um, and ever since, I have just given other different aspects of it's our whole person that I work from, not just the body. And um, I just, I, I think that's who we are, whether we know it or not, we're not just a body. And we think, we feel, we intuit, and we sense with our body. In every second of our lives, those four functions are happening. And if you're born with your body not available to you in your conscious, you better better know how to work with your unconscious because that's what you're going to have to work with. And you better understand why it's difficult. Whatever is at the bottom of the psyche is the force function. It, 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 the bottom of the unconscious, we don't have a picture of it, Darian. We have no idea. Was it even born with us? Is it still part of the history of, of humanity? I think we, in fact, do continually get more and more of that part of us born as long as we're alive, if we're working on ourselves. And it's just such a joy. Every time a new, new aspect comes in, a new part of you comes in. So if you're a sensate, that part- Can you explain what that is for people who don't know? Okay, the sensate is the body. It's the here and now. It's what is. It's what's manifest. It's money. It's 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 a uh, furniture. It's things that just are manifest. But in terms of living it internally, it is. It's what the body is, and where you are in it, and it, you can have it very available first, or it can be second. That's conscious. But the other two functions have to fall the opposites to that whatever it is has to fall in the unconscious. <clears throat> and the third one is not so deep. It's it's a little lazy. So if you're a sensate thinker like Joe, he's very in the body for sure. It had the head backs that up. And then into the unconscious, there's feeling. He didn't bother with that, not much at all. And then at the very bottom is intuition. And he was not always reinventing his method. He was teaching the same thing year after year after year. And I would say that's what he was a genius at. He was a genius at repetition. I don't know if we could have stood it. Because, you know, you know, it, it needs to evolve. Well, with them, it didn't evolve. It just stayed and got a little stronger. So some of us could keep it going when they were gone. We were not going to not continue to do it. And, you know, I had to be asked and Ramana gave me permission. And that's when I started in 1975. 
And um, I don't think he felt compelled to alter his work because it was who he was. Yes, it was. And yet the greatness and the, the real greatness of the sensate is their intuition. And he did have a vision and he never gave it up that the whole world needed to know this method. That was his big vision. And, and um, he was very disappointed that America was not ready for him and that doctors were not uh, attuned to him. But when you think of it, uh, one day he'd gone over for a, 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 an interview with some doctors at one of the hospitals and when he came back, I think Lolita that day overheard, uh, overheard Clara say, how did it go, Joe? And he said, they're stupid. <laughs> and there was no meeting, you know. Well, he didn't speak very well. He didn't speak grammar very well. He, he looked frustrated. A bit, he looked right. a bit peculiar to the American eye. And... And they just, it wasn't his time for that. But I'll tell you one time that really broke my heart. I saw him on the Steve Allen, which is like Saturday night. It's like um, uh, what they're doing now, showing late night. Uh, it was for fun. It was for fun, Steve Allen. The Steve Allen and, show. Yeah. And he was one of the first talk hosts. Well, he was having people in to interview for the fun of making the audience laugh. And he had Joe come and sit there and the audience laughed and laughed at Joe. And I don't think Joe was intuitive enough to even really get it because otherwise I think he would have left the room. But to me, I thought that is not fair. That is unkind, that is not fair. Just because a man is uniquely different and a little peculiar, according to what ordinary is at that time, uh, they used him for comedy fodder. Now, that I don't, I don't think he ever did it again. But I don't think he understood that 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 the laugh. He didn't understand America. He didn't understand American humor for sure. Well, then he didn't. He didn't venture much out into our culture. He just thought we were lazy. Uh, everybody was riding a car or taking elevators and, you know, <laughs> but, but he, he did like us. He, he liked us, you know, and individually, we didn't have a, a, a missing relationship. It just was on his terms. It was us relating to him and he appreciating that we were there. And M Mary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with the <clears throat> final minutes, perhaps, yeah, of, of this, <laughs> a little yeah. bit, of, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a segue. It's a segue into. I think mm. most people know that I've been recovering from COVID, and mm. I was wondering how this last year impacted your ability to teach and pass on the Pilates Plus psyche. Well, it's been wonderful for me, and it's a very amazing thing that it opened up a whole new way to work uh, with even more people than you can do when you have to get from here to there. And um, I didn't have any idea of Zoom, or um, I would have been shy of it. 
but it just came in finally uh, when people wanted to have you for a workshop, you had to do it virtually. So I just sort of climbed aboard other people who were doing it. And then I'm, I'm just talking to people all over the world now in, in a wonderful way. It is very personal, especially if it's one-to-one. It doesn't require the airplane travel. It doesn't require, you know, even a trip to New York and the awful job of packing up for one to two weeks. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I but we uh, many of us have lucked out. Pilates has been uh, spread quite a bit, uh, maybe more, because um, it's more possibility to reach more nations. And I've been doing one. I've been doing one to one with a whole series of Japanese Pilates teachers after having given a workshop there. Yoshinora Ito has put out Mentors in New York, and he put out another one. This is the second one, and it's in, it was virtual. And with we just it's just a very living thing is Zoom and Skype and the phone too. Audio is very personal, and so I think our business has has benefited from it, from it, and I think it will continue. I don't know how much it will even go back to what it was. I think our studios were open when we really feel safe and the local people, but the people that are from far away, they don't need to have to come really. We can do it. We can do it uh, virtually Zoom. It's quite amazing. Then we are so lucky and you're the only one in my Life that is someone I know who had to pay the price of the bad side of COVID, but thank God you're alive. And yes. I've seen you today. You look beautiful. You look more beautiful, I think. And I know you've learned more than you would have ever needed to know and yes. you will continually. So th- there is always a second side to everything, I think. Always a dark side always a light side and it, it has been that way but you, isn't it amazing do you remember mary do you remember what you said to me about my having to go through this i said oh say that again that was so profound do you remember uh, yes i did um i was guessing that you were maybe a sensate thinker yourself I don't, we haven't typed you. In the body, in the body. A person who's born into the body, yeah. And the body is a comfortable place to be. Uh, You've extended your knowledge in it all the time, but it was not in so much trouble that you had to do something, which the rest of us probably have experienced. And so I think that, that you might never have, reach deep enough into your weakness, which is where we truly grow from. Without this experience, you were just thrust right in it. And another part of Darien is now available that I didn't see that the year before when we spoke. I think you're growing yourself because of it. And it might have even been necessary to to put you into the most uncomfortable place. You're going to learn about breath in a way you never would have needed to learn. Oh my gosh. And, 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 and about, about many things that, 
some of us are just stuck with right from birth. You were thrust in it this year and a half. And I I know you're going to make it through. Thank I you, know, Mary. I know you are because you have the intelligence to do it. You have the heart to do it. And I think you have more heart than you had before. And that's a, another gift <laughs> that's of it. What, my mom says the same thing. Yeah, it's another gift of it. You care about life now more than you ever knew before or did before. Care about all of us differently. And it's out of the worst of, of us that the best comes. We grow through those bad spots, not from everything we're good at. Oh, that's beautifully stated, Mary. Well, it's so good to be with you again and, and know you have the strength to even give me 40 minutes to talk. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Mary, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you, hmm. what's the best way? Well, they just reach out to me. You either send me an email or you telephone me. And it's that easy when we make up make an appointment the deepest work is one-to-one well wait a second it's not that easy if you don't tell everyone your email okay or your phone number yeah i'll do that my email is mary at pilates-marybowen.com that's a good one and then my phone number is 860-663- Two one one one, and Perfect. that's it. And uh, you know, I'm very available. I just almost to the point that to the point where people find it laughable, <laughs> but but that's who I am. You know, that's how I like to be. I love to work in depth with anybody. I don't like casual. I don't like to stay ho hum about things. So it's always deep what I'm doing, but you yes. are, each one of you is deep. I would help you with it, support you in it. I hope I yes. hear from someone. Yes, I'm sure you will. Thank you, Mary, so much for your time today. It's great yeah. talking with you. Thank you, Darian, for what you do. And we're so happy to have you back. Thank you so much. One of my favorite things about the Pilates method is sharing the work. And this passion extends not just in person, but especially during this last year online. What a blessing to have the ability to stay connected to my students, many who travel internationally. Today's featured student is one of those people. His name is Bruce Sudano, a songwriter and musician. When asked how his Pilates practice has impacted his life, Bruce said, Pilates has helped me center myself and connect my body from my head to my toes. My self-awareness of my posture and connecting all of my muscles throughout my body has improved a lot. It's also given me more strength, flexibility, and balance. Currently residing in Italy, Bruce is enjoying the success of his new hit single called It Don't Take Much. Baby, I 
visit Bruce Sudano and check out his accompanying video. All Things Pilates is produced and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Podcast production is provided by Palm Springs Recording Studios. Also, for those who may need some extra work refining your Pilates technique, you might consider my apps, available for iOS and Android, and for just $3.99. Think about it. For the cost of one latte, you can have a lifetime of a personal Pilates guide. And until next time, please respect your elders. I'll meet you here again when I welcome back to the show Pilates historian Jonathan Grubb. As always, thanks so much for tuning in to All Things Pilates. Pilates.